literally praying Ephesians 3.20, where it says, Now God who is able, God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we are able. See, we're able to do something. We're able to ask, and we're able to think. And sometimes in my case, the thinking might be off. But we're able to ask, we're able to think. Now, here's what God is able to do. To do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you and I can ask or think. According to what? The power that worketh in us. Now, I want you to read something with me. If you'll turn to Acts, the second chapter of Acts. And it says this. Now, today, if any of you don't know this, today is the day of Pentecost. Almost 2,000 years ago, there were a group of wounded, devastated, broken people that got together. They had seen, one of them was the mother of Jesus. I went to her house that was built for her by the Apostle John in Ephesus. I drank out of the fountain that she would take and drink water from. The Apostle John would drink water from this same fountain, from a spring that flowed out of the mouth or out of a, a rock. I looked at the foundation stone. They'd recreated it, but the very foundation stones that the Apostle John had put down. And I looked at this place and I thought, wow, I'm walking where the Apostle Paul walked. I saw the ancient uh, like Colosseum that would fit one-tenth of the people of Ephesus, that they would sit down and watch the gladiator games, watch the theater. But I looked at the place where Paul was, was confronted by Demetrius the gladiator, I'm sorry, Demetrius the silversmith. Because his finances were going out the window, because here's a man that comes forth. He's going to have revival or he's going to have a riot. Paul begins to preach the gospel on the streets of the marketplace called the Agora. Paul is talking with Lydia, the dealer of purple cloth. Why was the cloth purple? It was because these little sheep, as they're walking in the, the areas around grazing, they find this spring, and this spring, they start drinking from this spring, and in the spring, there were so many minerals that it would turn their wool purple. I was, I, I'm sitting there just amazed as the tour guide, and he gives me a private tour. I walk out of the airport, I start talking with a guy, he gets the, the owner of the uh, tour company to call me, we began to talk, and the guy looks at me. His name is Yusuf Savat, and he says these words, I'm going to give you a free tour. I said, well, thank you. God is able to do exceedingly able to ask or think according to the power that works in us. So let's read this together. Chapter 2 of Acts, And when the day of Pentecost were fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Now listen, they were broken. They were wounded. I want to ask you something because I drove the streets with, a, um, with Mario Andretti yesterday 
And Mario said, let's put the top down. And Mario just drove the streets. Actually, it's my friend, Pastor Hank Davis. I gave him the, the keys so he could push the button on that Mustang that I rented. We're moving through downtown, and I said these words. This place at one time was a place where I was so wounded. How many of you have ever been wounded in this city, this county, this state? Anyone? Wounded beyond words. And I looked at Pastor Hank and I said these words. There's no more wounds in me. God, the Holy Spirit, has been the comforter to me. He has comforted me. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came from the sound of heaven as, as, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in the Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when they, know, when they noised abroad, the multitude came together, and they were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were amazed at one marvel one another, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Jesus said these words, In my name, these are, follow, these are signs that follow them that believe. That means you have faith. These are signs that follow them that believe or have faith. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, they shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. And if they drink any, drink, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall pick up serpents. Now, does that mean like it means in some places in West Virginia and Tennessee that somebody's going to handle serpents and snakes? Let me tell you something. If I go into a church and they're passing around a rattler, I'm going to simply say, See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. I really believe that that means that if you are attacked by a serpent, it will not hurt you. And I also believe it also has a deeper meaning that you're able to go into the very, the very presence of the enemy and rip out the serpent. In other words, you're able to cast out devils. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to another country, but in Argentina... I was there, and one night we had a warlock walk in to the church. We began, I began to preach on Romans, the 8th chapter. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Guess where that warlock was when I gave the altar call? At the altar, and we began to pray and cast out devils. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. That is, number one, the language of heaven, the devil does not know when you are speaking that language. He does not understand. There's also a twofold thing. 
it will God will actually give you the languages in other countries when you are ministering. So it's a twofold thing. You can speak with tongues. You can speak with the languages of other countries, and God will help you with that. Now, I want you to just listen to this because this is just amazing. Jesus, in Luke, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse, said, walked into a synagogue, and he did not have a book. He opened up the scroll. As he opened the scroll, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now watch this. Everybody's watching him because all he is is the son of Joseph to most people. They don't consider him the son of God. They consider them, him the son of a carpenter, a very poor carpenter. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. Oh my Lord, that touches my spirit. So many churches go after the people that are up into here, but I like to see when the poor has the gospel preached. What is the gospel? The gospel is that they can receive Christ, be cleansed of their sin, and if they begin to tithe, that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing that they won't receive. I was homeless in 1981 in a, with an old Carmen Ghia convertible, in the Ocala National Forest, fasting and crying out to God because of my disobedience. And as I prayed, I said, God, help me. And he began to show me if I would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all these things would come. I began to sow every time I'd see a widow I'd give her some money. Every time I'd see an orphan, I'd sow into these little children in, in Kenya. And hold on. Got to get my water. Thank you, God. Almost as good as the water of Ephesus. I would begin to sow. I would begin to minister. I would financially help. If God would speak to me or impress me, I would guide. I would go as the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Second thing, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The Spirit of God heals the brokenhearted. The secondly, the deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of jubilee. Now listen to this. Isaiah 61 is what he's quoting. But in Isaiah 61, it says one more thing. The day of God's vengeance. And I began to study this, and I said, wow, why did Jesus purposely leave the day of God's vengeance? It's because he took the vengeance of God on the cross when those hands were nailed to that wood. He took the vengeance of God on the cross when the hands were nailed to the wood. Now, I'm going to tell you something. How, we have some truck drivers here. Am I wrong? Is there a truck driver? Truck driver. One of the reasons when I was walking in rebellion, I began to just try to find some kind of job because there was no work in the 90s for me. 
especially since basically I had given up on the ministry. I'd given up on trying to follow God, and I was just going to try to do my own thing. Now, my rebellion is the reason. I'm just going to be honest with you. My rebellion is the reason that I did not move in 1990, or I'm sorry, 1977 into the promises of God that God promised me. In fact, listen to this. In 1977, God impressed me sitting on the steps of the North Cleveland Church of God that my life would be like Joseph. And I asked him, I said, well, why if Joseph only basically from the time he received the promise to the time he was at the second man in Pharaoh's court, Joseph only spent 13 years. Why has it been 40 to me? It's because from that time, every temptation that came along, I would say, well, let me look at it. Let me think about it. Let me do it. Okay, here we go. Every woman that I started to date would get saved and begin preaching to me. God uses the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you where you are. And then, I mean, then they'd start telling me, well, you're not living right. And I said, well, no doubt, no doubt one of the reasons I'm not living right is because of you. So I finally understood that God wants me to obey his word and stop living on again and off again. Is this kind of preaching what you need? In other words, stop just trying to find every, every excuse for sin you can. I get a text from a very sweet young lady. Well, she's not as young as she used to be, but she's young. I get a text, and this was the text. Now, she's a young, she's a sweet Baptist girl. And so she says, I'm on my fourth bottle of wine, or my fourth glass of wine. I'm sorry, because she's on her fourth bottle of wine. I don't think she could really text. <laughs> now, believe it or not, that smartphone that that text was on died when I was in Turkey. But that text was, I'm on my fourth glass of wine, and this is what I'm thinking. So rather than move from temptation into infidelity, or not infidelity, but into something that she wanted to do, I said, let's go out and have a cup of coffee. We need to talk. So I looked at her little blonde, and I said to her these words, 40 years ago, God showed me that my life would be that of Joseph, that God would lift me up, and I chose to begin to disobey him. Every time there was temptation, I would flow to that temptation. I said, we're going to church on Sunday, because I will not disobey what the Lord says. Forgive me, but I'm going to tell you. I might be called meddling right now, but listen. I will not disobey what the Lord says about fornication, adultery. Years, years ago, God got a hold of me. And I was beginning to seek the face of God again. And then all of a sudden, I'm trying to sell a car. So I meet this husband and wife. And they come over, and they're looking at the car. And I, you know, I said, hey, how you doing? 
and the wife was a dancer in Atlantic City, and I was doing some shows I was uh, doing. So all of a sudden, she calls me up and says, can you pick me up? I want to look at the car. Then she starts to tell me that her husband is this and her husband is that. And I'm sitting there going, where's she going with this, sister? Where are you going with this? All of a sudden, she begins to say, well, you know, I don't really feel like it's that important, certain things. I, I really don't feel like marriage vows are that important. And I said, well, listen, I think you just, I need to take you home. So when I took her home, the husband came out, and I looked at his face. And I, number one, I saw sorrow, and I also saw my face. Is this too blunt? I saw my face and the sorrow that I saw when I saw an adulterous woman who I'd been married to. I said, listen, I've got to go. I've got to go. And I backed the car up and I went out into the middle of the woods and for two solid hours I spent crying, saying, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for even, even looking at the adultery. Please forgive me for even bringing that into my mind. Please forgive me for picking this woman up. Please forgive me. God wants us to obey. The Holy Spirit wants us to obey. If we obey, then God will begin to use us. If we obey, then God begins to use us. Now, as I walk through the streets of Ephesus. I went up to the home and I thought about the Apostle John. And Jesus is on the cross. The mother of Jesus is right to his left. The Apostle John is holding, has his arm around her. And he says, woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. He said, basically, what he was saying was, John, this is your mother. This is your mother. He said to the mother, the mother of Christ, he said, this is your son. I'm the oldest Italian son in my family. I'm the oldest. My, my mother was born in the hills of Tennessee. My father was Italian Sicilian. I'm the oldest Italian son. I have determined... And I believe that Pastor Hank understands this. Your family's so important. The oldest son has a responsibility. The youngest son has a responsibility. But when Jesus said this to the Apostle John, the Apostle John took it to heart and said, This is now my mother. When he said that to Mary, that became her son. I saw that in Ephesus. The Apostle John built her a home. Mary lived in that home until she died. He took care of her from the time of the cross. After she died, he was then taken. They tried to kill him. They tried to poison him. But the Bible says, if he drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. They tried to kill him. They tried to boil the man in oil. They tried to boil him. They did everything and said, we can't kill this man. Then they said, we'll exile him to the Isle of Patmos. He left Ephesus and went to Patmos. 
And that's where he wrote Revelation. The seven churches of Revelation are literally right around Ephesus. I was within 50 miles. Now, it's really kind of cool because all I could think about was the springs of water. So you see, the Holy Spirit is like unto a spring of water. Listen to this. I took from the spring that Mary and John drank out of, pure, crystal, cold water. Then my tour guide, Yusuf, which is Joseph, takes me down. He says, now look, this is where the hot springs are and the Roman baths. And this is where everybody would just get together and bathe. And then this is the waiting room. And of course, this is the market where Paul met Demetrius, met Lydia. So he's talking about the springs of, of water that, have, that will dye the wool uh, purple. He's talking about the springs of water that are cold. These are the hot springs. He said there's only one spring. There's only one spring, and that flea, feeds a whole city that is neither cold nor hot, and that's in a place called Laodicea. In other words, and there's a tradition that says, now think about this, there's a tradition that says when you drink the water, you will literally spit it out. It's called spewing it out of your mouth. Jesus and the Apostle John wrote in Revelation, I would that you would neither be in Laodicea, neither cold or hot. In other words, you'll be cold to God, or hot and burning with the Holy Spirit fire, or you'll be lukewarm. That's what it's called, like not hot, not cold. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now, the first time I had ever experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, I was a little nothing 10-year-old. Brother Anthony Farino, Brother John Farino, Dominic Farino, these were all Italian men that went to my church. Leonard Willis, they all prayed for me. And I'll never forget it. It was on Mulberry Street in Millville, New Jersey at a church. When they laid hands and prayed for me, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I began to weep. I began to weep. I began to weep. Yes, I fell out of, yes, I fell up and down. I backslid multiple times. But you know what? The Holy Spirit was constantly dealing with me, constantly dealing with me. I would say like unto David, David, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he had actually gotten her pregnant, he sins her husband to the front lines to die. He was a murderer, but he cried out in Psalms 20 or 51. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Holy Spirit, he said, cleanse me. He said, restore a right spirit within me. Cleanse me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This morning, on the day of Pentecost, there was a great man I met in 1987. I'm going to begin to close right now. His name was David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge in New York City. And he was watching his 
Young men were being delivered from drugs. Young men were being, but they weren't coming out and get, being totally delivered. They were still struggling with it. They were still struggling with heroin was the, the drug of choice back then. He said, there were so many. He said, and I didn't know what to do. I had the opportunity to talk with him in 1987. I went to his church in, in uh, it was called Times Square Church. I shook his hand and I said, man, I've, I've read about the cross and the switchblade. I've watched it. What a great move. What a great move of God. He looked at me. And pa he passed on. He, he actually died in a car accident. He looked at me. He said, remember, it's love. It's all about loving these people, loving these people, loving these people. But he said these words, and I'll never forget it. He said, until I introduced and was not afraid to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, that day, he said, I began to preach on that you can be saved, that you can be cleansed with the blood, you can be cleansed by the Spirit, you can be cleansed by the Word. But until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not walking in the total fullness of God. He said, when I began to talk to them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they began to receive it. All of a sudden, the heroin dropped away. The crack cocaine dropped away. They began to walk in deliverance. They began to speak with new tongues. And so, first of all, I'm going to ask you, and everyone, I would just ask you right now to close your eyes. I preach on restoration many of times, but I'm talking to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, I'm going to ask you, is there anyone that needs the Holy Spirit as a comforter today? You have been wounded like I have been wounded, like others in this place have been wounded. You have been wounded almost to the point where it just never stops the tears. You say, oh, I need the Holy Spirit this morning to comfort my life, to comfort me. Anyone? Lift your hands right now where you are. Oh, God, yes. Secondly, is there anyone that needs the Holy Spirit to fill you? Yes. If you know Christ, I'm going to ask you right now to stand where you are, and I'm going to ask you, and all those that would like to receive a filling or an infilling, everyone in this place stand, anyone that would like to be refilled, anyone that would like to experience a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet right now and come on up here and let's pray for us. Let's pray for these dear people. Come on up and let's pray. I believe that the Holy Spirit, anyone that, I'd like some people in this audience that would like to pray for these dear people. I want you to come in back of these dear, beautiful sisters as they're coming. Father, I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. Father God, I praise you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I call upon you. Let's just begin, just begin to get in back of these dear people. Father God, lift your hands and stretch them toward this front right now. God, I call upon you for comfort in people today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I ask you to comfort the Oh, God, Leanne, I'd like you just to come up and sing something in back of us. Hallelujah. 
God, I pray right now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray right now, God, for the healing presence of Christ. God, in Jesus' name, anything that's addicting right now, I command it to leave that body. Father God, I pray for divine deliverance in Jesus' name. Everyone else, stand to your feet and let's come on up and pray. Come on, let's come up and pray. Jesus, Father God, for comfort, God, for comfort. God, for God, I ask you right now in Jesus' name. I ask you right now in Jesus' name. God, we ask you, God, to turn. Turn your face upon us, God, and heal our bodies. Heal our spirits. Heal us, oh God. Heal us, oh God. Refill us today, God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we are in one accord in Jesus' name. We are in one accord. We are in one accord. We are in one accord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Yande Korea Satan Dereba Korea Kaya Yanderebo Korea Teka Tarabasena Oh God I glorify your name I glorify your name I glorify your name God God I praise your holy name I praise your holy name I glorify you O God Hallelujah, hallelujah, God, I praise you, God. Just lift your hands and praise Him right now. Let the Spirit of God speak through you. By faith, begin to speak out. Speak out what that language is already moving in you right now. Speak out, oh God, we glorify your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I speak deliverance right now to someone in this place. I speak healing right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. God, I praise your name. I praise you. Go ahead, just praise him just for a moment. Thank him just for a moment. As easy as it is for me to take a bottle of water and pour it into a cup, that's how easy it is to receive the Holy Spirit. When we acknowledge that we are vessels made by his glory, created his purpose, and we desire for these cups, these empty vessels, to be filled with the presence of God. When we acknowledge that need and realize that we need the Holy Spirit in us and all the things that are attached to the Holy Spirit, then it just becomes a declaration. And we declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, I yield myself as a willing vessel, as a vessel willing to hold the presence of God and the glory of God and the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to pour yourself into this empty, dry, thirsty vessel. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it with knowledge. I can't do it with money. I can't do it with attitude. I can't, I can't do it with gifts. 
I need to be filled with your spirit, your joy, and all the things that are attached. I make myself available. I make myself, I submit myself now to that infilling power of the Holy Spirit. As sure as you declare those words, God has heard them. And as sure as you make your vessel open, God will take his presence and he will pour into you himself. He will pour into you all of his goodness, all of his favor, all of his blessings. He will take your vessel. He will mark your vessel and use it for his glory. Father, with my hands lifted in surrender, I completely yield to your spirit. I yield to your gift, something you have for me, something you want me to have. You're not withholding it from me. You want me to have it. You're asking me to ask for it. And as I ask for it, I believe this morning that you have touched me, that you have blessed me, that you have saved me, you restored me. But Lord, go ahead and fill me. Fill me with your word. Fill me with your knowledge. Fill me with your gifts, your power. But most of all, fill me with hope that I would not be discouraged, I'd not be depressed, but I would walk in that hope and that joy unspeakable that's full of glory. Let this vessel be filled with joy. Let this vessel be filled with destiny. Let this vessel be filled with hope. We declare those things in the name of Jesus. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for his goodness and his, and his mercy? Thank you, Brother Al. A timely word, a timely word for this house. Uh, you remember last Sunday we used the now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly and we determined that that was the power of the tongue the power of conversation the, the power of the next what are you declaring during the day what are you speaking during the day are you watching your words are you judging your words are you are you carefully editing the words that are coming from your mouth are things of good the things of God it's impossible for a sweet tree to bear bitter fruit. It's impossible for a bitter tree to bear sweet fruit. So it's a decision. It's a decision that I declare the glory of God and I'm going to speak 